I know a lot of you are seeking a higher quality of life, and I don't know anyone who wants the quality of their life to get worse. But that can happen when you're stuck in a rocky relationship or going through a difficult separation and divorce. My name's Liz Rankin, and I've created the Separation Fix with the intention of turning away from that mess and in the direction of a brighter future. I hope you find this episode interesting, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Liz. Today's episode is about positive co-parenting. Many parents struggle to have a healthy co-parenting relationship after separation. Even though research into the causes of separation indicates that only about 2% of relationships end because of parenting disagreements, parenting often becomes the main source of conflict after separation. But I've also seen many parents transition from a really difficult separation to a great co-parenting relationship. And even, and this is a bonus, a revitalized friendship. I'm very lucky to know a few of these wonderful parents. And today I'm speaking to one of my favorites, maybe my favorite, Sue. (laughs) And in another episode, you'll hear from her ex-husband, Grant. Also a great bloke. Sue and Grant separated about five years ago when their daughter was 10. And their daughter is now a confident, bright, and fun-loving 15-year-old. And I don't see how she could have blossomed into such a great teenager if her parents had been stuck in conflict. So welcome, Sue. Hi, Liz. Nice to be here this morning. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I know my audience will learn so much from what you share today. Lovely. I hope so. I came across a quote recently, and I think it read, it's never nice at the end, and that's why it ends. Would that be a good summary for the end of your marriage? Um. I don't think it's nice to end any kind of relationship. So it was difficult at the end and quite sad. And um, even as I was moving out, I was questioning my decision to leave because it was me that decided to leave. So any ending is painful. But I also knew deep down it was absolutely necessary for me to step away from the marriage because we'd worked so hard at it for so long and we just weren't able to move past certain conflicts. We just couldn't get any resolution. So in the end, for me, I was so depleted, I had no choice but to move on. So when you talk about, you know, some of the emotions there, and I think um, even though everybody's experience is totally unique, a lot of the emotions are the same. You talked about being sad being exhausted and depleted. And I think those emotions are important because I think often because of that, the quality of parenting and the quality of care for ourself, for our children and ourselves, can really take a dip. Um, did you experience that dip in your co-parenting or is it a blur at that stage to look back upon that time? Um. I think I took a dip in caring for myself more than the co-parenting. I think we handled the co-parenting pretty well from the very beginning. We just uh, seemed to have the same sort of values and we both agreed that Jasmine was the most important thing um, to move forward, even though we were separating, she came first. But I think for me, I probably just... I lost a lot of weight, a lot, 
in the beginning and, um, yeah, probably wasn't eating properly and um, lacking a bit of self-care there for a little while because there was still quite a lot of fear and probably a little bit of unconscious shock about what I'd actually done because I had broken up the family home. We'd sold a big house. We'd moved back from overseas. There were big life changes going on. So we'd sold a house in Bali. We'd moved back to Australia. Then we sold our house in Australia. And then suddenly I was out on my own with a child and two dogs. So, yes, it was quite scary in the beginning. But something inside me just kept moving forward and and empowering me to keep setting up a new life for myself somehow. And that's what I did. So with all those major transitions going on, um, were you and Grant, I think you said there that the co-parenting Jasmine continued. So was it, was it similar in the marriage? And as you transitioned out of the marriage, the co-parenting, do you remember all that? Look, I think, to be honest, I was probably the main parent who made, <laughs> the primary parent who made the decisions, being a mother particularly, and I was quite forceful about some values and some ways that uh, I wanted or I felt was the best for Jasmine. Um, there were times where it was a bit, you know, argy-bargy. We both sort of head-butted a little bit about how it should be. But somehow we managed to get through it. We'd discuss things and move forward. But it was probably more argumentative in the beginning, you know, just a little bit of that um, battle of the wills sort of situations going on and um, probably not listening to each other as well as we do now and talking over each other and trying to be the one that's right all the time. And I think that was because there was a lot of fear for both of us. There was a lot of fear driving that sort of emotional behaviour. So when you reflect back on that time and around parenting, you said it was a bit argy-bargy. Do you remember in the early days how you would have made decisions around Jasmine versus your decision-making um, method now, how that changed over time? Oh, I think now is a lot better <laughs> than what it was in the beginning, even when we were married. Oh, that's um, interesting. You think you're better at it now, better co-parenting now? Absolutely, absolutely. We just seem to have come to a place where it's much more um, trusting and relaxed and there's no power struggles going on. I think in the beginning there was power struggles about how many days he would have Jasmine and how many days I would have Jasmine and there was always a bit of conflict around that because I felt I wanted her with me more days and he felt he wanted the same amount of time. So now there just seems to be a much more mature way of dealing with whatever comes up and we're both more relaxed about whether she has more time with me or him or, you know, if I want to take her away, that's fine. I mean, we try and make it up with those days, but it just doesn't seem to be as um, um, not important, but it just doesn't seem to matter as much. It's like we're all sort of one big family now, so we're just able to move forward with situations that arise more easily. So 
in those early days when it was a bit more argy-bargy and you were (laughs) piecing it together, did you need outside help around the parenting? Like, did you, around parenting issues, did you have a counsellor or a mediator or a lawyer in relation to parenting? When we separated? Yeah, just around the parenting piece of it. Or did you just work it out yourself? No, we didn't. We didn't. We just worked it out ourselves. We had more counselling when we were married and we actually went to a parenting group um, to learn how to parent when we had Jasmine when we first adopted her. So, no, it was more in the marriage we did all the counselling. Um, but when we separated, we didn't. So then um, the arrangements have obviously changed a lot from the beginning days when um, you felt um, you wanted to have more time with Jasmine because you had been her primary parent. And I've spoken to that Grant about that separately. He said, you know, you were the parent and um, Jasmine needed to be with you and you needed to be with Jasmine at that time. And over time, the arrangement has really changed. How do you actually, you know, I'm, you know, helping other parents who are going through this, how do you and Grant talk it through? Like, can you think of a recent, something that's come up recently where you need to do a change of arrangement? How does it work? Is it email, phoning? What do you guys do? We phone. We text or phone. Um, Usually it's a text saying I need to speak to you about something, whatever it is, change of arrangement or something I might be worried about with Jasmine. Um, we text and then we usually ring and then if it needs more discussion, we meet up and have a cup of tea and we discuss it in person. Okay. So you just go to a cafe and you can sit down very civilisedly and just chat it out. Yeah, or I go to his place or he comes to our place. Yeah. Okay. Now, to have had such a major transition from those initial separation emotions because of, um, you know, for example, you mentioned fear, I don't think you can travel, you know, from a turbulent separation to a healthy co-parenting relationship without replenishing yourself and having support around those emotions that you talked about. Um, What's been important for your emotional healing, which is so connected to your good co-parenting, I believe? Uh, definitely my yoga practice, which I've been doing for 30 years. I could not have done it without that, without Is a that doubt. Right? Is that right? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I wasn't um, doing it every day, but every day I would make sure that I would do something for myself that grounded me. And I, if I couldn't do a practice, I would just do a beautiful beach walk uh, with the dogs or on my own and go and sit up on the headland and, you know, meditate or pray or whatever. But it was just something for myself that so I felt like I was getting filled up and nourished. And what is it about the yoga? You know, you've been practicing that for so long. Is it the physicality of it or the breathing or is it a combination that helped your healing? Well, it's the combination. I mean, first of all, it's the physical. It keeps you well and strong and grounded but it also has a direct effect on the mind so the mind and the nervous system stays calm and balanced so it it brings more balance into your life and it certainly helped me you know in times of um I suffered quite a lot of anxiety attacks during the night so I would wake up and sort of in the early days have this sort of terror going on 
So that was a little bit difficult and I did actually have to go to the doctors a couple of times and get Valium to try and help me sleep, but only for short periods. But um, that didn't last too long. But, yeah, definitely having that. And also some counselling. I did actually go and see a psychotherapist from time to time um, and try and get help with difficult um, emotional situations that were going on. So, yes, I reached out and got support when I needed it. But there were also lots of times where I isolated and stayed at home and kept to myself. I, I just felt I wasn't able to reach out to people. But um, having, having all those things around for support just helped me get through it over time and having great friends that were really supportive. That really helped as well. At the same time, so... As I said, it's a little while ago when you're in your, you know, the, the difficult post-separation phase. Do you remember for yourself when the healing sort of started? Do you recall? Or was it just gradual, bit by bit? I must say there was a pivotal moment when ah. I bought bought a house in Lennox and I started to renovate it fairly quickly and I just felt an incredible uh, feeling of liberation and freedom to be able to make my own decisions and not have to consider anyone else or ask permission to do something. That was very liberating for me. So I do remember that quite strongly. And that sort of propelled me to move forward and, and feel like, yes, this is the right thing for me to do. And I guess also that would have... Um I would imagine boosted your co-parenting because then you would have had a place that you were happy as a new home. Yes, yes. And it, um, and also Grant was very supportive around that too. And he lived close by. So we, we both shared that house as well as Jasmine. So what do you mean by he was very supportive? I'm not quite sure what you're referring to there. He was supportive of your... Well... When I bought the house, he came and saw it and um, he really liked it and he thought it was a good decision. Um, so there was a sort of a celebration around it rather than a jealousy or um, any sort of negativity towards the decision of me buying that house. So that's sort of that's one thing I think that you and Grant do have that not all um, co-parents even really great co-parents have you seem to have a strong co-parenting relationship but you also seem to have uh, what I referred to in the introduction a revitalized friendship post mere marriage yes most definitely yeah we're better friends than we were husband and wife <laughs> yeah I think this is really how it should have been we should have stayed friends <laughs> 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 oh, so just mentioning um your house um and that makes me think of that famous uh book by Ricci I think it's two homes or two houses often there can be a lot of tension um between the two houses because of different parenting styles and different rules um do you and Grant have very different rules do you think? Uh, occasionally, yes. <laughs> that does come into play from time to time. I like, I have certain rules here that I like Jasmine to abide to and respect. And then when she goes to her dad's, he's totally the opposite. So then when she comes back here, <laughs> 
you know, she changes and I can see it's from when because she's been at her dad's. Like, for instance, I like her to make her bed every morning and tidy her room. I don't like clothes all over the floor. I have I like her to not have food left in the bedroom, certain things like that. And then when she goes to her dad's and I walk into her room, it's a nightmare. You know, it's the bed's unmade and there's clothes all over the floor and there's mess everywhere. But she seems to be able to get away with that at his place. So I have had talks with him from time to time saying, you know, you want me to back you on certain issues, but you're not backing me on this. So I would like you to respect that and please, please help me with that. And he says, yes, he will, but, you know, it still continues. <laughs> so that's, you know, one of those classic things you've just got to try and live with. So what you try and do in those situations, you try and get a bit of reciprocity, I can't pronounce that word, reciprocity <laughs> between, the, is that how you try and um, get Grant on your side sometimes? Well, I think the tact I've taken now is I'm just stricter when Jasmine's here in this household. I just go, well, these are the rules in this house and I'd like you to respect them. And this is what I'd like you to do. When you're at your father's, you can do that. But here you have to keep your room tidy. And, you know, certain things around the phones and computers. But both of us agree on that one. So I just sort of make it more about what it is in this household when she's here. That's the best I can do with that one. So so there's your... Is your emotional adjustment to um, Jasmine's transition between the houses, what you have to cope with, and how does she, how do you think she finds moving between the two houses in terms of the different rules? How do you think she adjusts to that? I have asked her a couple of times. I've said, how do you find moving all the time? Does it, you know, drive you nuts having to pack up every week because week on, week off, and it seems to go very quickly. She said, oh, no, I like it. <laughs> she doesn't seem to mind the variation because she probably gets away with more <laughs> just with, with Grant. But he does actually get her to do more housework when she's there, I've found out recently. So she gets looked after a bit more here, you know. Um, so that's interesting. She's getting the best of both. So, so, she, so she doesn't, um, she seems to transition easily um, around the physical arrangements. So does she, does she complain? Does she like verbalize, oh, dad lets me, you know, I don't have to clean my room at dad's or does she just get on with it? Is her no, she never, she's, she's never been like that. She never says anything. Um, she just, she's a very cruisy young girl. She just seems to adapt really easily from one household to the other but I think really that's because we've got such good communication, Grant and I, and we include Jasmine, that it's sort of like still a family but we're just living in different houses. So there's always communication going on. So she's showing just a lot of um, the success of the successful emotions of good girl parenting, isn't she? She's secure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we were married and we used to have, unfortunately, quite a few arguments, it did distress her without a doubt. So she never liked the yelling and um, conflict. So now she sees us 
more respectful towards each other and, and we can have a laugh and we're happy. So she's adjusted really well, really well. So then it would be really hard to imagine what it would have been like for you and Grant if you hadn't moved past all that negativity for her. Oh, I think she'd be, I think she'd still be a fairly happy girl. She just seems to be, that's her nature. But I think she probably would have been a little bit more withdrawn and keeping to herself a bit more and probably not as open with Grant and I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you and Grant have just such an, you know, just su- such an amazing job. And, I mean, some people, you know, some people just you know, they can't co-parent well. I mean, it's not safe for some people. But I think that you two are a great example of having, you know, not atypical um, bumpy separation and just moving through that um, mm. with great communication to great co-parenting. Mm. I mean, look, it's not easy all the time. We still have our moments. Well, I'm actually going to do a separate episode on um, new partners and how they can impact, you know, the existing co-parenting relationship and the children. Um, But I will just touch on one aspect of that topic right now. How do you think um, new partners have affected the co-parenting in the past? How has it gone for you in the past? Well, I've been very fortunate because when I met Mark, there wasn't even a discussion about the fact that I had Jasmine. I don't know why. It just seemed like, well, this is the package. This is me and this is Jasmine. And I think because he had children or he has children, he just naturally sort of fitted in and he has a very special relationship with Jasmine. It just sort of felt very natural. So that's been wonderful. Yeah, because I think the same thing. I, you know, my view is that new partners can be just really positive. Um, you know, as you know, Hillary Clinton says, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. If they're the right quality of, if they're the right quality of person, of course. Yes. Well, I think he's actually been a very good influence on Jasmine. He's actually brought her out in ways that w- wasn't happening when she was with us. But admittedly, she was younger. But I think getting into her, she's actually 14, going on to 15, um, I think it's a really good time for her to have um, his influence around the house because she feels very safe with him. He encourages her. He laughs with her. So I've seen her become more confident and more funny. He's bringing her out. So that's been terrific. Um. One thing um, that I just want to touch upon now is, and it's going back a little bit to something that happens at the end of separation is, and I don't want to pry about this too much, but I think it's important for listeners to to know generally about these situations is when you're sorting out the uh, nitty gritty of your financial separation, um, did that have an impact on your co-parenting relationship? Yes, it did in the beginning. Yeah, it was very tense, very tense. So we had to get, you know, solicitors involved. Um, And there was a little bit of stuff that we had to deal with after the settlement, which did cause a little bit of conflict. But in the end, I compromised and 
you know, gave in and I thought, well, if I'm going to have a good relationship with this man for a long time, you know, some things I'm just going to have to let go of and, and compromise. So there was a bit of a compromise at the end there. Yes, and of course it did affect my feelings towards, I was a bit resentful for a while, but, you know, time moves on and life goes on and you get on with it. <laughs> Well, it seems it just seems a long time ago, I suppose, and yeah. and you know you and you and Grant have just come to a totally different place. Yes, yes, yeah. So, what's that been? Nearly five years now. I think it's, it's one, the reason I wanted to mention is just once again to highlight people. You know, you can have those turbulent times at the end of your separation, um, but you can still, with effort, get to good co-parenting. You can, you can. I think really. You've got to forgive and move forward. You know, it's like closing the chapter in a book, like that chapter is finished. So the best thing you can do is deal with what you had to deal with, close the chapter and move forward the best way you can. Do you think um, there were things um, that got in the way of good co-parenting? You know, you pointed out, you know, some of the important things you did. Well, one, you started off with really good self-care, you know, and then the passage of time and you forgave and slowly built up a good co-parenting relationship. Do you remember any things that get in the way of good parenting, either in the past or now? Um, oh, one of the things for me is probably school holidays. That That's always a little bit of a stretch for me because... My time isn't always that free and sometimes Grant will want to take her away, like overseas. He took her away one year for three weeks, which was difficult because it was at Christmas time and uh, I couldn't take her away and it was a trip of a lifetime so I wasn't going to say no, but that was difficult. Um, but I managed to get through that. and. Um, yeah, just sometimes I feel he makes those decisions about how long Jasmine will stay with him without actually asking me asking me whether that's okay. He tells me that that's what's going to happen. And then when it comes around to me, I ask him if I can have her longer. And I think I go, um, for me, it's a bit of a personal power struggle going on there, but I tend to just back off and and discuss it and I don't know it's difficult but you know that's just an issue that he and I had in the beginning as well so I think I just need to be a bit more assertive about what I want with Jasmine with him without feeling I can't speak up for myself do you know what I mean yeah so he, he still sort of directs that side of things and he will plan out calendars and stuff like that and say well this is how it looks and and I just sort of fit in with those plans and then change them along the way if I need to. So it's still even though it's really good there's still areas um, where you're still working on improvement in your communication. Yeah from t at times yes but I find I'm better at sort of speaking up for what I want without getting irrational or aggressive and 
and uh, he usually comes around. So we are able to get to a place that's amicable. So less reactive, like versus when you're in the marriage? Yeah. 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 We were always reactive in the marriage. Always. <laughs> it's a cra- I, I think I said this to someone else. It's just, it's amazing if you behaved in the way you did, many people do in their post separation. If they behaved as well as you do in your post separation as you did in your marriage, you probably We'd still be together. <laughs> It's so it's so common. It's I mean I mean it's common. I, well, I shouldn't say it's so common. I'm gonna say it's so it's so common in the people who are really striving and are able to um, improve their co-parenting. You know, it's just such a common thing because um, you've got to build up that co-parenting relationship bit by bit with a few please and thank yous and some good manners. And if we all had done that in our in our marriages, a lot of people would still I, be together. It's so crazy. I think, too, having space, I think having separate dwellings and having space and freedom, that probably helps you co-parent better. I think when you're under the same roof, the tension builds up and there's like there's no escape. But I think, you know, when you, when you live separately, you do have time to reflect and you do have time to get away from that conflict. So by the time you do discuss something, you're in a better place. I'm not saying that that's the answer to everything, but I think that it, it does help. <laughs> it <laughs> it's, does not, help. <laughs> it's not just the manners and, and speaking nice to each other. It's actually being not living with them anymore that makes the relationship. Exactly. <laughs> but I think learning, <laughs> learning to walk away and not keep in the argument when it's up is very valuable too. Okay, because I, I wanted to ask you, I've got just a couple more questions before we go, and you've just touched on one of them is um, other um, advice you'd give about co-parenting well. So it would be walking away and just letting time pass sometimes? Yeah, sometimes when I can see we're stuck on an issue and it's, and it's starting to get a bit of friction there and it's sort of, you know, there's triggers there and I can see them happening, I usually say, look, this is probably not a good time to keep talking about this, let's let's talk about it later. And then, you know, we usually hang up a bit briskly. <laughs> so then we leave it a few days and um, sometimes I will apologise for being short and when I'm feeling better and say, um, I'm sorry I was short the other day and Grant usually says, oh, it's fine, you know, and then we're ready to rediscuss it and then we usually admit what our trigger was at the time. We'll say, oh, look, yeah, I was feeling a bit blah, blah, whatever it was, and, and then I give my side of it, and then we're able to actually discuss the issue. So that's really good. And was, was there anything else that comes to mind that, you know, um, because I think all your um, wisdom so far is really helpful to people. It's really quite a good plan when you actually write all the points down. Is there anything else you can think of that's really helped you? Um, in your, have you kept up your self care? Have you kept up that? Is that oh, a problem? absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's probably my main priority in life, because if I can't care for myself, how can I care for someone else? So I have to stay strong, so I'm well, and I can look after Jasmine and have a relationship and work and teach, and you know, my life is big; it's full. So, uh, caring for myself comes first. Even if that means getting up and doing yoga at what time? 
is that Sue? <laughs> I teach at quarter to six, <laughs> two days a week, <laughs> and try and fit in a practice here and there. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but I well, do go to bed early. <laughs> it obviously has worked so well. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to mention? Anything else we haven't touched on that, that comes to mind that you wanted to say? Advice for listeners or something for people to reflect on? I think just recapping, you know, what we talked about is if you're talking about an issue and you just can't get over it and there's a lot of friction there, just agree to end the conversation and wait a few days and then get back to it and see if you can think about a better way to approach it. I, f I find that that has really helped me along the way, you know, because if you're butting heads, you're not going to get anywhere and then you start getting nasty with each other, then you regret what you've said. So I think, you know, it just good counsel is agree to end the conversation and talk about it later and pick up where you left off and and maybe sometimes just admit your vulnerability, you know, admit what was going on and why you acted the way you did. So the other person gets a better understanding of your behaviour sometimes. You know, it's not necessarily about them. It's usually stuff going on within yourself and, um, and not blaming the other person, you know, taking responsibility. I think, you know, that's, you know, great advice because when someone does explain themselves and you know, sometimes apologises, 99% mm. of the time you just soften inside to that person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it does close because the door. Because there's no attack, yes. Mm. That's great. Now, just before we end, Sue, I don't know if you had a chance to think about this because you and I, we love our music. And... Um, did you have any idea? It doesn't. I, I love to get a song from someone because I seriously do think it changes your mood and can inspire you. And um, some of the lyrics to some songs are great. Um, do you have a song in mind, or one of one of your beautiful daughters, or is it just going to be an old Susie Q song? <laughs> oh dear! I knew I should have thought about this before. <laughs> Well, that, don't have to. It can be, and it can be anything. Is there a book, or should I get back to you about this question at a later date? I think it'd have to be the Doobie Brothers. Um, I think it's Without Love. It's a great dance track. I think it is. I can't remember the name of it now, though. But it's a great dance track, and I used to play it all the time, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> that love I think it is it's one of their classics it's a great song and it always uplifted me at that time of that separation time or just oh, always quite a few times actually <laughs> <laughs> but particularly around that time <laughs> but it was a pos they're positive lyrics but it just um I don't know probably just helped me feel strong and happy and out there and that's what I needed at the time yeah, I just really, I just find that even now, you, you know, just any time in, I mean, it's either a walk on the beach or a, a song. I just find it's pretty much instantaneous how quickly my mood shifts and I just feel positive and grateful. Yes, yes. Well, music is very healing, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your time, Sue. I really am. Um, 
I know you weren't feeling 100% today, so I extra appreciate you making the effort. You always do make the effort. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, Liz. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if something in the episode has motivated you, I recommend that before you take any action, you get professional advice because the conversations are general in nature and not based on your particular situation. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or if there's another topic you'd like explored. And if you know someone who might benefit from the show, remember to tell them about it or suggest my Instagram or website, www.theseparationfix.com. Good luck being your best self today. Just know I'm out there too, trying as well.